Hello and welcome to the Treasures Within podcast. I'm your host, Georgia G, multi-passionate success coach and healer for purpose-driven female entrepreneurs. If you're ready to get out of your own way so you can build a wildly profitable business from your passions, this show is for you. Tune in every Tuesday for inspiring interviews and mindset tools to heal self-sabotage so you can double your income, reach those big business goals that have eluded you up until now, and create a life of freedom and abundance on your own terms. My guest today is Holly Tech, a certified click-worthy copywriter who has helped hundreds of clients get clear on their message, write better copy, and collectively generate multiple seven figures of revenues with their words. How amazing is that? I'm so excited to speak with Holly today because copywriting is one of those key skills that can really make or break your business. And in this interview, Holly shares about conversion copy 101. So what is copywriting and what is the conversion copy trafficta, the three things that an entrepreneur needs to know to write words that sell. Her favorite tips and hacks to improve copy fast, how AI and chat GPT is changing the game and so much more. Let's dive in. Hi, Ollie, and welcome to the podcast. I'm so excited to have you here. And why don't we start with you sharing your story with our listeners and how you came to be a copywriter, how you knew this was a calling. I started my business because I wanted to escape corporate America back in like the 2015 range. And so I just started to take steps to become a coach. That was what I thought I wanted to do. And just that's the direction I was pursuing. And what ended up happening is through joining some different coaching communities with a business coach and stuff, stuff like that, and meeting different people and working on whatever they would tell me to do in terms of building out my website or that sort of a thing. And like actually putting it together, I would show it to the people in the community just to get feedback or, you know, just show that I completed the step. And somebody came to me and wanted me to write their website for them because they really liked how I did mine. And so that really became my first copywriting client. And I spent a few years mainly serving people with copywriting, but still wanting to be a coach. And so it was sort of like my side thing. I didn't want to publicize too much. And then in 2018, I decided that actually I'm a copywriter and that's going to be kind of how I identify myself and my business and just go all into that. And so that's what I ended up doing at that point. And then it's kind of funny because now I feel I'm a coach copy coach in multiple different group programs for some other business coaches, like their designated copy expert. And I've had some of my own programs over the last couple of years. So I have ended up being a coach, if you will, (laughs) but around copy. And I think making that shift into just calling myself a copywriter when I did was super important because what I found was leading up to that point, I, I had people coming to me and giving me the feedback not intentionally, but just through what they said that they didn't know what I did and they didn't know what I offered or what I, what I did. And so now I feel like I've totally been able to shift that just by saying, this is what I do. And it's something that we'll like talk about later in the interview too, around just really knowing what are you offering? 
And a lot of things get based off of that. And if we feel a little shaky or uncertain, or we're not really sure, we don't want to say we do one thing because we don't want to limit ourselves to possibly making money from this other type of client because we're at the beginning stages of our business and we're, we're just trying to get something together. It just ends up being a very diluted message to the people looking at, looking at what you're doing and they don't know what you do. So that's kind of how I became a copywriter. And still at this point of the time of this recording, that's still my main thing that I do is write copy for people and looking for ways to do group coaching and things like that in the future. But that's, that's how I got to this point. Thank you for sharing. And I so resonate with that as a mother passionate, being afraid mm-hmm. of owning what I do and then people not understanding and not getting anywhere really. Being clear on what you are is the foundation of writing good copy. And I think that writing good copy is one of the most essential skills for any business owner. If you, for some reason, that is not your strength, then it's definitely one of the first things that pays to outsource because it's going to make a huge difference. It's not just about writing copy, but it's about writing copy that converts. So can you share more about what is conversion copywriting? So conversion copywriting is really a term and another term that can can be considered similar that you may hear once you start to learn more about marketing is direct response copywriting. And this is specifically copywriting that's meant to convert into sales or convert people to take some sort of action. Sometimes maybe it's not a sale, but it's having them opt into a webinar or have them take this action that leads them down a certain path. And so that's really the kind of copy we're talking about. What other kinds of copy is there? There's a content writing which would be just more general blogs, information sharing, SEO copywriting has a little bit of a different focus. So there's all these different little focus areas, but I think you can, as a listener, realize that conversion copy is really the thing that you probably will want to spend more of your time writing. You may be spending more of your time content writing at this point, but you want to spend time writing copy that can lead someone to take an action, whatever that is from a free to a paid action and learning how to do that well. And so copy kind of marries general writing and just what comes with writing with the science of buyer psychology and what what does make people buy and how do you call forward the people that want the thing you have to offer. It's a key skill again for entrepreneurs. I remember in my first years, I would spend a lot of time writing content and being frustrated because it just did not convert. Everyone was telling me how amazing it was and how helpful it was, but really there was no conversion. And it's not sustainable when you have a business. You must convert <laughs> leads into clients. So can you share with us some tips? What are your best top three tips to write copy that converts? I love talking about this because I like to call it the conversion copy trifecta. So there's really like three elements that you need to consider when you're going to craft copy and or craft your plan or whatever that looks like around your copy. But you want to think about having the right offer with the right messaging and for the right audience. So all those things have to be, all those three things have to be in play. And that's something that my mentor, who I've learned a lot about specific conversion copy things from, her name is Sarah Anna Powers. And that's kind of the way that she describes it. And what that means, what I find is if you have one of those three things, that's not one or more of them is not in the right spot it needs to be, then that might lead to the copy not being effective. And so as a 
on the copywriting side, after writing copy for hundreds of different people over the years, I think I can say that's probably been over a hundred. I pretty much have seen even just because you pay somebody, and I think all of us have experienced this, maybe it wasn't with the copywriter, but maybe some other team member that we've had, just because you pay or, or, or a coach or whatever, just because you pay somebody to teach you something or do something for you, if it's a service provider, it doesn't mean that it's just going to be magic and it's just going to work and it's just going to happen. And there's a lot of other things that come into play. Like you could be a business coach telling somebody a strategy that works and that's worked for lots of people, but then it doesn't work for them. And maybe it's because they have some emotional thing or there's always like other factors at play. So when it comes to your copywriting and how you represent yourself with your written word and your business, those are the three things that you want to look at. Because even if somebody pays me to write their copy, I've had this experience before and very rarely, because I definitely try to, usually the people won't even get to the point of paying for the copy project, but occasionally there's a few people that still were like, yes, I want to pay for this. And they don't really know what their offer is. And so then I'm trying to basically help them figure it out and write the copy for it. That's more of my earlier years when I just didn't realize how much I needed to know or what would be a good fit for a copywriting client as much as I do now. But then if the offer is not really clear, I mean, one project I had to even cancel because she just wouldn't decide her offer. And I'm like, I can't write sales page without knowing what the offer is. So take the homepage that I wrote for you. And I think we have to cancel the rest. So, um, so you have to know what your offer is and have that as to me, the guiding post, because a lot of things can come from that in terms of what you pick to write about. And then with the messaging, you need to know that's where you need to, that kind of is informed by who your ideal client is and having a deep knowledge of what who they are. I find that most people, their issue is they're not specific enough because they think that they'll be limiting who they can attract if they are really specific, but that's actually not the case. One of my other coaches that I've worked with recently named Rose Radford, she described it like a bullseye where if you're playing darts or something, you know, that very middle dot is like the one that's worth the most points. But then there's other circles around it that are still worth points if you hit that area too. And so it's sort of like that. You're going to want to have a very specific person, like women who are doctors, but they want to do a different career. That's the specific target, let's say. But then you have all these other circles that are similar enough where those people might catch you and catch your messaging and still be a decent fit to do the program. But because you're so specific with talking to your bullseye person, those people can hear you too. They can actually hear you versus not hearing you because you're too general, if that makes sense. So like I'm talking, say somebody is a dentist or say they're a, I don't know, some other, like a lawyer, but they want to get out of that career field. They're both, they're very similar. Like they've done a lot of schooling. They've done a lot of money, time and effort to become what they are. And then they want to change careers. And that can be a big shift. They would still be a fit to work with you, but because you're so specific with who you're talking about and who your messaging is for, it helps them to see and catch what you're doing. So that's the messaging. And then you also need to have the, the third thing, which is the actual audience, the right audience for who, like what that matches everything. So you can't talk about the offer for doctors. If you have an audience of, I don't know, moms, sure. Maybe a couple of the people in the mom audience happen to be doctors. Cause that's a thing, but you didn't really, the audience might be a mismatch too. And so you want to make sure that you know, all those things are working for your favor. I love the bullseye metaphor. It is so true. If you don't know what you're talking about, not picking an issue, you're just saying stuck where you are. I think with copywriters, people think that they hire you just to write words, right? But there is so much more that goes into that. If you don't have all the other pieces, then 
you have to invest more time in doing the research. Otherwise, you're not going to get the results that you want. You're also a coach. So when someone comes to you and they are not clear on their offer, they are not clear on their client, do you also support them in, in getting the clarity or you're just like, no, come back to me when you have that clarity? I definitely encourage market research and things like that. So most recent program I had, it just kind of didn't cover that part of things, but the people did have email lists. So on occasion, I'd recommend them do a survey since they had some audience that they could survey. But yeah, I'm definitely a big advocate of market research. And another way you can do that is do interviews. So interview a few of your ideal clients, maybe even past clients you had that were a good fit and understand what was going on in their life that made them want to get what you have to offer. And just really taking a note of what they actually say in their language, because it's better for you to use regurgitate their language back to them in, in your copy than it is to try to make your own fancy terminology for things. So I definitely have helped people with that in the past, and I'm looking at adding it as more of a foundational step in future programs I create because it is so important. And it's something that I'm about to go through a period of doing some interviews because I have something I want to create, but I really want to do a good job with it and be more intentional with it. Even it's something that you can return to at any point in your business, even if you have the same offer and you're not changing the offer really but you've run a couple cycles through it, for example, a couple different groups, then why not do some research and up-level your marketing for the offer now that you have some actual clients that have been through it and testimonies and you can understand where they were at that actually made them want to buy and incorporate that. And then as a copywriter, it's definitely something I do when I'm writing for people is look into all of that. In addition to being specific, are there any hacks or even mindset tools shift the persuade clients to sign up or to buy a couple things that are really kind of funny and one but they could be quick things to implement which i love is looking at first one thing is your formatting so your formatting of what you're posting formatting which would be things like breaking up the paragraphs more or bolding or underlining using bullet points things of that nature all of that like a big part of copy is it's not just the words, which we've said multiple different ways, but it's also how it appears on the page. And so that's a, a 20% maybe of your effectiveness could be just how it looks on the page, maybe even more depending on how bad it looks. Because if you have, we've all had it where somebody sends us a text message maybe, and it's a huge block of text with no breaks or anything, you know, maybe they were doing voice to text or something, but it's like not that exciting to want to read because it looks a little scary. Like, oh gosh, what are they saying now? And it's the same thing with our copy that we write. And so I find that as a general rule of thumb, of course, there's always ways that this might not apply. But when you're writing an email or something, or even a social post, you probably want to break up the paragraphs every one to three sentences, every sentence or every one to three sentences. So we don't want to have a paragraph that's four, four plus sentences. And even three or more, it depends on, you have to look at how it sees on the, looks on the page, but you don't want to have those really long paragraphs because it makes people intimidated to even read it. So if they're not reading it, they're not going to get the message. And then the same thing with using bullet points where applicable, not overdoing it, but if there was something that you have written out that could make sense as a list, why not do it that way? And then also with bolding and underlining, those can help make this copy more skimmable because you also have to realize that a good portion of your audience that does read it will be skimmers. And so they will 
want to just kind of skim or just look at the beginning and the end. And so if we bold and underline certain key things, then that'll be the thing that their eyes are drawn to. And so if they're already going to skim, let's work with that and let's give them a fo- the things to focus on in their skimming. <laughs> so they can still get the sense of what the message was about. So those are kind of the formatting things. And then Another great thing to do if you haven't been doing it is have a PS in your emails. If you're sending a marketing email, I do it. I mean, not every single email, but more often than not, I have some sort of a PS because of that. What I just said is one of the reasons people skim or they just look at the top and the bottom or they just go to the bottom sometimes. And so if we have a PS versus just having our name sign off, we have the PS, then we can have a summary of what the email said in a couple sentences. And we just leverage that. Because for the person that skims, they also probably don't need that whole thing to make the, take the action if it's something they want to take. Like them just reading the sentence will be enough. So that's another thing. Add PSs into your emails. That's an easy tweak. And then the other tip that I think is really powerful is more about what you actually are writing. So if you use the words that are self-focused, so like I, me, my, those variances of those words, they automatically focus whatever you're about to say on you. And so it takes the focus away from the person that's reading. And the person that's reading, we all want it to be about us, the thing that we're reading. We kind of glaze over if it's not about us. And so one thing that you can do is you can take out those words as much as possible. I would say you can usually take it out like 80% of the time. There are certain scenarios where I'm truly telling a story about myself So it's pretty hard to remove I, me, and my completely, but you can probably take out some of them from a story about myself. That's just how it is. But we say little things in our day-to-day or in our posts, like my new program is opening soon, or my new webinar is launching or something like that. And that automatically makes it about you. And you can actually change it. You could say it differently and it would be more powerful. You could say the new program for coaches is launching next week or something, or this new program for coaches is launching next week. It's like, why does it matter if that it's yours or not? You're the one talking about it. And they can probably guess that it's yours, but it's actually for them too. So you always want to focus it on the reader as much as possible. So removing those, those self-focused languages can really help. And there's usually a stronger way to write that sentence or that phrase where you can avoid using that language. Like I said, 80% of Hey, Georgia here. I want to take a quick moment to tell you something. A few years ago, I was stuck in what I call strategy hell. I was literally doing everything to grow my business. I was on all the social media platforms, doing webinars, going to networking events, writing blog posts, sending out newsletters, you name it, I did it. And my business was growing at a snail's pace. It was so frustrating because I couldn't have worked any harder. I was already overwhelmed and burned out. Do you ever feel like that? It wasn't until a random encounter with a coach that I realized being in strategy hell is a form of self-sabotage. You think you're doing everything to grow your business. In reality, you're stuck in busy work because you're afraid of what might happen if you went all in or reached your goals. In my case, I had a massive fear that if I became more successful than my family, my friends, and my partner, they would allow me anymore and they leave me. 
This fear was buried so deep in my subconscious that I wasn't aware of it until I had a powerful session with my coach. And yet the fear was running my business and making sure I'd never reached my goal. It was only once I healed the fear that I was able to double my income in a few short months and my loved one didn't leave me. If you too are working hard, trying all these strategies to go to the next level in your business, you don't need one more strategy. You already have all the strategies you need. If nothing is working, it's because there's a limiting belief that's sabotaging all your efforts. Maybe like me, you're afraid that if you are too successful, you won't fit in with your friends and family anymore and you lose them. Maybe you don't think you are good enough at what you do and they're afraid that if you put yourself out there in a big way, you'll be exposed as a fraud. Or maybe deep down, you don't believe you're worthy of money and success. Whatever it is, trying to grow a business with these limiting beliefs running in your subconscious, it's like driving a car with a brake on. No matter how hard you try, you're going to stay stuck where you are. If you want to go to the next level in your business and reach those big income and business goals that have eluded you up until now, you must first heal all those limiting beliefs and all stories that are sabotaging you. Once those self-imposed limitations melt away, you'll be able to step out of strategy hell and confidently take action towards your goals. Those tasks that used to feel hard or scary, like going live on Instagram, doing sales calls, or being a regular guest on podcasts, will now feel easy and fun and you'll be able to reach your goals with ease. If you know, deep down, that healing those limiting beliefs and all stories is the missing piece in getting the results and money you want in your business and you are ready to drop the hustle and step into your six figures mindset, I invite you to book a discovery call with me. On the call, you get coaching on the number one limiting belief, the sabotaging your success and keeping you from reaching your next income level. And if we both feel it's a fit, you'll discover how we can work together to heal the limiting beliefs that are sabotaging you so you can finally build a wildly profitable business from your passions and enjoy financial location and time freedom. Remember, the world needs all of your treasures. It's your time to get out of your own way so you can do the work you are meant to do in the world and live a life of freedom on your own terms. These one-on-one calls are limited, so if you are ready to finally make your vision board become your reality, click on the link in the show notes and book in today. The time you can change it. That's so helpful and it makes so much sense. What's reminding me of something that a couple of years ago I was attending this copywriting uh, webinar. And I would say, you know, a common mistake that people make, and I would like your take on this, was in sales pages, specifically sales pages, they were saying not to use the word you so much, because if you say you are 
this, you do that, and the person who's reading does not identify with all of them, then you have automatically lost them. And then asking, okay, what should I be using there? So if I can't, I can't use I, I can't use you. So what is your take on on this? Yeah, so I do think that I used to do that more in my earlier writing. I don't say that type of thing on a sales page as much. And it is a little bit of a habit shift. For me, if I'm consuming a sales page as a reader, it doesn't bother me as much. But I do think for some people, it bother it like subconsciously kind of counts them out. If they're like, oh, that didn't apply to me. That one thing out of the five didn't apply to me, even though the other four did. Or people don't like it. It can feel a little bit when someone's maybe just not as sensitive to it. Like it feels a little bit accusatory or finger pointing. And also depending on what you're actually saying in the list, I think that it's like you are... This is for you if you feel like your life is falling apart. I don't know. You just might be saying it in a way where it's like, yeah, that might be true for the person, but it's not like an exciting way of putting. It's not something that people want to identify with as much. It's not something that people would be happy to identify with. So there's a lot of factors about why it doesn't work. So I think as a general rule, if you are saying that kind of wording a lot, you might want to think about redoing it. But one thing you can do is you can basically kind of create an identity for the person that almost a name for the person that they want to be or for the person they are now and then describe that what that is instead of saying this is for you if you are just starting your business you could say something like this is for aspiring female entrepreneurs or aspiring female coaches who are just starting their business so it's like aspiring female coach that's kind of a nice aspirational feel-good title for what that person wants to be and so that's a way you could remove it is kind of like create an identity for that future person that they would be excited to identify with and then that they probably would identify with too, which is something that comes out of your market research and use that instead of saying you like that title and then kind of roll with that, if that makes sense. Yeah, that sounds a lot more exciting to me. And I noticed the shift <laughs> in the past couple of years to more empowered marketing. As marketing traditionally has been very focused on the problem. Do you think this is where we are headed? This shift is going to continue going forward? I think that you still always need to have an awareness of the pain of a person and the pain points that they're having. However, I would say that there is a shift in terms of online marketing. Oh my gosh, 20 years ago now when it really internet really started taking off. <laughs> feels like a long time now. In the early 2000s, it probably was more like 80% pain points and 20% not pain points. <laughs> and then now I think the shift, it just inversed. So your people are talking more about the aspiration and then like 20% pain. But I do think that you miss, and I just say you, not you, Georgia, but like in general, people yeah, miss the opportunity. People miss an opportunity when they avoid talking about pain points. And I have had clients talk, come to me and say like, I don't want to talk about the pain, you know, or whatever. And I think you do miss out an important aspect of the human experience, not to at least acknowledge what those pain points are. That's why in the formula I personally follow for my sales pages, I do have a section that ties into the pain points. There's a way you can do it, right? There's a whole spectrum of, of a way you can talk about a pain point, but I wouldn't ever want to, I do notice people skip that section often, even ones that I've taught that framework to. 
And they're just missing an opportunity to identify with that person, that part of a person's experience that we all have. We all have pain points in the areas we're working on. Even if we're into personal development and into affirmations or thinking positive, like that there's still pain points and that's, what is it called? Gaslighting or bypassing if to just ignore. So, but how can you talk about the pet? How do you talk about pain points? You could say like what I just said, you're reading this and you feel like a piece of poo because you haven't gotten the client yet. And I could talk about really mean, or I could be like, you're reading this and you feel, you just feel a little bit discouraged because you haven't gotten a client yet, even though you think you've been doing the right things. Obviously it's like a little lighter touch. So it's like, we can do it with a lighter touch and we can do it through the use of stories, like our own story because they can relate to it, but maybe it doesn't feel like we're pointing the finger at them. There's different ways you can do it, but you definitely would be missing, missing an opportunity if you never kind of relate on that level with your people. Because I do think pain, I know that's an intense way of even saying it, but those pain points or challenges, if you want to say it in a nicer way, are definitely one of the things that still will get people to move like the most, like to know that this could resolve a pain point that they have is going to be the strongest motivator for most people because it's kind of a primal thing. So that's what I would say. You still want to cover them, but the definitely the proportion is changing. And I think you can spend most of your time talking about aspirational things for sure, but don't miss out on a chance to actually show that you relate to their pain point too. You can always talk about a pain point and bring up the solution next too. You don't have to leave them hanging, but kind of bring up hope and encouragement with it. That helps too. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense because I know even in my own life, my own experience, that I've always had goals and desires, but for a long time, I didn't act on them until the pain was big enough. So <laughs> definitely understand, understand that side. Now I think it's, it's shifting. The more mindset work I do, the more I'm driven by vision. But definitely in the early years, I was more more driven by pain for sure. <laughs> and I think it's, it, it's, it's quite common. So it's good to know that you can find a balance. And talking about trends, there is a big trend now coming out with AI and chat, GPT, and mm-hmm. lots of people now wonder if they're going to go extinct or if you can use chat, GPT. And I know for me, I wouldn't mind using these tools for Instagram posts. But when I read a sales page, I still want to know that there's a human touch, but there is someone that actually sees me. So just a machine, but I would like to hear what your take is on this. I think it's a really important topic right now because I feel any of us trying to market online, if you haven't heard about the AI yet, I feel like you might live under a rock. So probably everyone's heard about it, at least at this point, because I feel like it really started getting talked about at the end of last year and coming into this year. Even if you haven't tried the tool yet, you've probably heard something about it. If you follow any online marketers, and I would say that it's like with anything, it's almost like the equivalent would be what I've seen a copy. I think it was a copywriter say that an equivalent is like, now we have the tool for copy that graphic designers have had for five years with templates on Canva and stuff like that, like as template, a starting point. And I think it's, that's kind of a similar comparison. Like this content from the to- AI tools is potentially be able to be a starting point and things like that. But you need to know what to ask it to produce. And you also need to know this conversion copy stuff we've been talking about in order to assess. First of all, knowing about these conversion copy concepts can help you with what to ask it. So you can go from asking something like, I've been trying to think of something I asked, like write, write an email, write a paragraph about an email copy course for a coach that already has an email list and knows that email marketing is important. I could have just said, write a paragraph about email marketing. But then I know my audience for that offer that I might've used that paragraph for 
already has an email list and they're already enrolled in the idea of email marketing as a way to market their business. And so I put that into my prompt and that can help produce a different result. Or if I know that the kind of person I want to work with doesn't have an email list or doesn't know that that's a good thing to do, then I might ask that in the prompt, like write a paragraph about email marketing for somebody that doesn't know anything about it or doesn't think it's the right, or thinks that social media is better. Those are the kind of things I can put into my prompt to get a better outcome in terms of what it produces, but you have to know your audience to be able to do that. So, So you still need to know these conversion concepts. And then once it produces something, you need to look at it and obviously give it a human touch, just like you would if you had a Canva template and you need to put in your content into it. So you have to be able to assess it and see what things you might want to tweak and change to make the messaging better or the conversion better. And so you still have to know these things, or even as a copywriter, I'm looking at, can I offer services to help people with that piece? So a person that would have been maybe a copy editing client now that they're maybe they're having AI do the writing first, but then they want copy editing of the AI content, just playing around with different things, but you still need to know these concepts. Like it's not going to replace It's just like anybody, like we talked about earlier, anyone that you pay to do something in your business or you pay for a coach or whatever, like you just paying them or you just telling it what to write for you. It's not necessarily going to get the result if you're not also enrolled in it or helping it make it better. So it won't replace people. It's definitely a helpful tool, especially if you're a person, team of one or something, and you want to put out more content more regularly, definitely play around with it to help you with just getting things started. Cause it can feel like a lot if you want to put out a daily social media post and it's just you and, but you can take a recording of a, a transcript from a 10 minute audio you did. And you can ask that you can be like, Hey, take this 10 minute transcript, take this transcript, paste it in there and write four Instagram captions. You know, it'll do, it'll do something. <laughs> so it's kind of cool. So just play, play with it, but know that it's not going to replace your need to understand your offer, understand your messaging and have the right audience. Like those things aren't going to go away. So just keep that in mind and um, enjoy. What about the tone of voice? Is is it going to be able to tweak the messaging in your style? I know that you can ask it to change the voice. So it could write something and then you could say, oh, write this again with a more playful tone or write this again with a more professional tone or write this again with like Amy Porterfield's tone, like somebody like a big, a different person has a lot of content out there. I think that you can haven't done that as much personally, because I don't have a problem making something sound like me myself. I just do that. I like having that touch on it, but you can do that to kind of see what it produces and to play around with the tone. If you feel like it's not, you like the content, but it's not quite like the tone that you're after, but that's another thing that you want to get to know your own tone. I just remember saying, trying to be like other people in the beginning when I was writing stuff for my coaching business. And I was kind of, I I wasn't copying my coach at the time, but I, I kind of was, but I didn't realize it. Cause I'm like, Oh, this is how people talk. They say like, Hey, lovely. They say, Hey, lovely, blah, blah, blah. That's what people say. Cause that's what she says, you know? And then I realized, wait, that's like not me. So that's why I kind of caution because I'm even telling you that, oh, you could change it to be like this person's Gary V. Like write this like Gary V's tone. But you could do that with the tool, but it's like, you need to also be your own tone. <laughs> you need to set your own tone. But you can kind of play around with that in the tool. Either either you play around with that in the tool or do it yourself, like manually kind of edit it with your own self in mind but at least you have a starting point it makes sense because that for me would be one thing that i would want to do is good to have a starting point but then it's also good to have 
your own voice. Otherwise, it sounds like everyone else. And you may have this amazing tool that makes things easier for you, but still no one is paying attention because you're just sounding like everyone else. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And so is there anything that you would like to share that I haven't asked you yet before we wrap up? I feel pretty good with what I've shared, but I think just on a not copy specific note, but a general note that I'm even walking through a lot right now with some stuff that's come up this year is just to keep going. Like whoever's listening, if you feel kind of like things are hard right now, or even like right now, specifically when we're recording this, there's some economic things going on that some people are feeling the effects of. And I just think if we keep going, if we have this dream for a business and you keep going with it, you'll start to see the fruit and you'll start to get traction. The only times that I've really seen somebody not is when they stopped, when they just stopped, they decided, which it could be fine too. That might be the right choice for you to stop and get a normal job again or whatever. But my point is, if you do want to have your business, keep working on it and keep going even in the hard times because it does, it's not consistent, but there's so many benefits that come with having your own business too, even if it's not as consistent as a normal job I'm using air quotes might be. So just keep keep trucking ahead. I couldn't agree more. And it's a beautiful place to end. And for anyone that wants to go deeper with your work or they want to work with you, where can they find you? I would say go to my Instagram, which is Holly Tack, H-O-L-L-I-E-T-K-A-C. Or um, my website, which is the same thing, H-O-L-L-I-E-T-K-A-C.com. So those two places you can find freebies and content and different things or reach out to me there. We're going to put all the links in the show notes and I invite everyone to check them out, especially if you know that you need good copy or that you would like to improve your website, your time cover, sales pages, whatever it is. It's going to be so helpful. And thank you so much for sharing all your wisdom with us. You have been so generous, being full of gems and it's been a pleasure thanks for having me thank you for listening to the treasures within podcast if you've enjoyed this episode if you found even one small nugget here to help you get out of your own way and build a successful business share this episode with a friend or two so they can benefit from it too please follow this show on apple spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts leave a rating and a review Believe it or not, every little action really does help to get the podcast found by other female entrepreneurs who need to hear this message too. Have a wonderful rest of your day. Bye for now.